Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Whedonverse Podcast. A retrospective, spoiler-free podcast where we discuss the movies, series, comics, and games created or inspired by Joss Whedon. With your hosts, Mr. Universe. Number five, do the dance of joy. And the clairvoyant. Well, you're right about this being a bad idea. Also brought to you by the Tangent Bound Network. This episode, we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 19, I Only Have Eyes for You, with special guest host One Sick Puppy from the Dead as Hell Horror Podcast, and Episode 20, Go Fish. Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 19, I Only Have Eyes for You, written by Marty Noxon, directed by James Whitemore Jr., original air date, April 28th, 1998. Welcome back to another spooky episode of the <laughs> Weedenverse Podcast. Uh, I am your host, uh, The Clairvoyant. I am joined here with another host, yes. Mr. Universe. You sure and- are. And temporarily, I am joined with another host, One Sick Puppy from the Dead as Hell Horror Podcast. How are you? I am well. How are things in Canada? Uh, Surprisingly hot. It snowed last weekend. It snowed last weekend and it's hot today. It sounds just like Canada. Yeah. (laughs) One Sick Puppy, our most, I think, our most featured guest of all time. I thought I talked myself out of a gig because I kept harassing you guys over Twitter, but uh, apparently that's not the case, so I'm happy. <laughs> if you want to see uh, a firefight, everyone head over and follow at Whedoncast at Twitter. Uh, lately, our Twitter followers' new favorite thing is to just rag on us about anything and everything. Lately. And, and we just kind of fight back. No, about being young, about being Canadian, about things we say. It's It's a good time. <laughs> The first thing I noticed when we started this podcast is I'm like, well, our fans are really mean to us. <laughs> from <laughs> from the get-go, it's just like people making fun of everything we do. We're on a pedestal and they just like tear at us. But we, yeah. it's because we literally are on a pedestal. We are better than them, so. <laughs> hey, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> You're waiting for that one. Yes, I was. So the episode we are doing today is uh, what's it I called? I only have eyes for you. That's what it's called. Uh, and one of the most memorable episodes for me. We'll get into it later. But when I think back to the show, for some reason, this is one of the episodes that pops in my mind. Probably because of Christopher Gorham. It could be because there's a hilarious blooper that I associate with this episode. Also possible. Uh, but in Finland, this episode's called Possessed by Past. These are all kind of, you know, broken English. So Finnish is called Possessed by Past. French is called The Night of Sadie Hawkins Dance. And Germany is called A Demon Named Love. <laughs> That's all right. Crazy little thing called love. 
so this episode starts out uh, at the bronze. There's some band playing. I'm not quite sure what band it is. It sounds oh, like I know, I know, I know. Oh, do you? It's know? it's splendid. splendid, and the lead singer is Angie Hart, also a frente. And I was, she was just going to say it sounds like yeah, Angie Hart. <laughs> yeah, she's badass, man. She uh, this was a band she had with her uh, husband of a very short period, and uh, the name of the song is Charge. I looked it up because I thought initially that it was Frente, but uh, I love her voice, man. She's just, oh, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that this band was getting a lot more exposure, a lot more performing, you know, a lot more close-ups of them actually doing their thing. And I was like, I like them, so I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm not too upset. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, this is actually one of three episodes in which they appear, and her husband, uh, after they had split up, uh, I think they got divorced in 2005, actually co-wrote a song with Joss for season seven. Really? Oh, wow. So they are the the musical group that is most associated with the show that does not sing the theme. Yeah, I do know that because I, I, I sounded so much like Angie Hart, who I recognize uh, my favorite episode, which we'll get to somewhere down the line, uh, opens with a performance by Angie Hart. From what I understand, she's actually fairly close with Joss, and she even uh, she did some backing vocals on the uh, the musical episode, which is down the line. And, really? Uh, uh, so yeah, it, it, and she's a very unique voice, so that's why as soon as I heard this, I didn't look it, into it, but like, that sounds like Angie Hart. Yeah, man, I love her voice. She could sing me to death, and I'd just be thrilled. <laughs> Buffy's approached by a guy named Ben, who she doesn't seem to recall. Yeah, but they had math together. I remember him. He was in all of last season. <laughs> and he now I don't. I, I'm not a very forward person. This isn't something I do. I don't know if it's something guys usually do. But he talks about how the Sadie Hawkins dance is coming up. You know, you had the one where the girls asked the guys. He's like, yeah, I was wondering if you were going to ask me. <laughs> Too forward for me. Not sure how I feel about that. It's. Oh, it's a it's a cheap way of getting around the whole girls asking the guys out thing. It's a, it, it, well, I guess it's as we soon learn, it's not effective. But yeah, I, I actually know. just start off by giving them the money first and it breaks <laughs> the ice. <laughs> and yeah, he she says, you know, I'm not seeing anybody ever again. Actually, and which is not just teenage dramatics; it's legit. Which is smart. <laughs> no, that's that's what gets me about the this is that Willow is like you know sees the day given the the crappy advice that she got before, and it doesn't really make sense for her to be telling Buffy to expand her inner circle just as Angel is trying to kill them all. Yeah, Angelus, yeah. I should say. Yeah, as uh, as we just mentioned, yeah, she goes down off the balcony after rejecting Ben and. Willow's there yet saying, hey, you should get out and date more, which I don't, she's, she's, (laughs) she's been through a lot lately. Like how she said, you know, she's like, I, I have fun. I have big fun. She's like, oh yeah, you came, you saw, you rejected, which is obviously came, saw, conquered is the actual quote. And yeah, just kind of regurgitates her advice from the very first episode, you know, just be more impulsive. (laughs) Because it worked out so well. Yeah, <laughs> which Buffy's quick to point out. Hey, last time I was impulsive, 
Uh, I made a vampire lose his soul, and now he's trying to kill all my friends. Next time I'm impulsive, it'll be over which dentures I choose. So, yeah, I think she's, uh... Well, she's been in, lately, as Willow says, she's just kind of been, like, slaying and sleeping and not doing much of else. Let's go through the motions. Yeah, and, uh... So, Willow, I, I understand what Willow's saying. Hey, just... Loosen up, have fun, but she's also saying, hey, jump back into the dating scene. Which I don't know if it's quite time for Buffy yet. It's been months. But, yeah, but her ex is still currently trying to kill her and everyone close. But haven't we all been there? (laughs) (laughs) But Willow says, you know, love isn't always bad. Sometimes it can be nice. So we cut to love being nice. Yeah. Yeah, we cut to a couple in the school having a uh, pretty dramatic breakup uh it's it's actually a really well acted scene though considering they're just random extras i swear i have this scene memorized you know great lines like you know a person doesn't just wake up one day and stop loving somebody loves forever and then uh the guy pulls out a gun and we cut to the theme song and uh so buffy walks in on this happening which is very good timing she she stops the guy from shooting his girlfriend just like last second, and the gun disappears. Don't walk away from me, bitch. Yeah, and then tackled. I like how the janitor just kind of sees what's up, and I don't know. I don't know why he's in the scene. I gotta say though, the janitor is my boy because uh, <laughs> no, seriously, this is John Hawks, and he played uh, Pete Bottoms in From Dust Till Dawn. You know the guy oh. in the liquor store. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was also in one of the best X-Files episodes uh, called Milagro. And uh, he was a writer who, uh, his novel came true. It was all based around Scully. And it I couldn't even explain it to you. you got to see that. But you guys have got to start watching the X-Files. I'm not going to quit. <laughs> but uh, this guy's a really good actor. He's got like 150-something uh, IMDb credits. How he is not you know, Hollywood royalty by now. I don't know, but I really like him. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty classy looking dude. He, the one thing that caught me about the scene is how he doesn't do anything about two students about to have a, a firefight in the hall. Well afterwards, after the guns mysteriously missing, he's kinda like, uh, is everyone okay? <laughs> kind of checking everything out. And you know, dude that was gonna shoot his girlfriend's like, hey well I don't know what happened and Buffy's like, you just almost went OJ on your girlfriend, which Orange juice, of course, we all know. <laughs> yeah, I was but, wondering when I saw that, how long is that reference going to hold up? <laughs> well, this time it was only a couple of years old, but I feel like you could make that joke today and people would still get it. Yeah, I feel like, well, I don't, I feel like people still remember the whole O.J. Simpson trials, but I bet if you brought it up to the younger audience, they probably wouldn't, like, Talking much younger than us, like teenagers, I'm sure a lot of them would be scratching their heads. So you just gotta wait for American Crime Story this see this fall on FX. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know why they were fighting, uh, and they, they weren't even, a second ago. Even the girlfriend said, "No, like he's not a bad guy. I don't know why we were fighting either. It just happened, and then the gun disappeared." Such uh, a crazy mystery to kick off an episode. The next day, Snyder, who we haven't seen for a while. Quite a while. Which, yay, Snyder's back. <laughs> he uh, 
he pulls Buffy into his office and immediately starts blaming her for the incident. You know, he asks, "Why do you, do you know why I brought you in here? Because you wanted to reward me?" He's like, oh yes, for you know, causing mischief at Sunnydale High. And she says, "I stopped. The, I broke up their fight." He implies that she may have coerced or paid off <laughs> the witnesses. Yeah, he's seen JFK, so he knows what's up. <laughs> he says the pieces of the puzzle are. We have two confused students, a missing gun, and he's just going to keep staring at the pieces of the puzzle until he can clearly see how Buffy is at fault here. <laughs> Which doesn't make it's, sense. It's very Snyder. I noticed that in the opening credits here, Meredith Salinger is spelled wrong. So sorry to you, retroactively. And uh, so then he gets a call about a crazy vegan. <laughs> Chaining himself to the snack machine. Which, I didn't even catch that. I totally missed it. It was really like throwaway, like just kind of gets called out and he's like, vegans and like leaves. <laughs> but don't they also, he also mentions a vegan, or no, that was Flutie, mentions a vegan swinging from the rafters yelling meat is murder. It seems to be a problem at Sunny Do you Del think High. it's the same guy? <laughs> is that just a California joke? Maybe. Or maybe, it, you know, Maybe veganism runs rampant in the halls of Sunnydale High. Like adamant veganism. <laughs> Militant, even. Hipster kids, you know. Back in 98. Uh, and now, my one of my favorite things is when he tells Buffy, you stink of lies. <laughs> that's, that's why I miss the vegan stuff, is because I'm just so focused on that line. You stink of lies. And he makes Buffy stay there in his office while he goes and deals with other stuff. Like, that's so weird to me. And so while she's chilling there, a yearbook from 1955 gets pushed off a shelf by no one. I don't even know why. Suspension of disbelief. You just have to roll with it. And Buffy picks it up and puts it back. (laughs) Doesn't even open it. That was probably important, Buffy. Elsewhere, uh, Willow is one sick puppy's favorite teacher. Yes. Her (laughs) name is uh, Miss Rosenberg. And, yeah, she's teaching computer science after the untimely demise of Jelly Jelly Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Calendar. And I noticed on the board, uh, Willow has been handing out some detentions. There's uh, Tara, who one can only assume is referring to Tara McClay, this character we won't meet for two seasons. <laughs> and the other one is Eric, which we could assume is referring to Eric Gilston, who helped create a Frankenstein's monster in Some Assembly Required. I gotta say, I disagree with you. And I'm sorry, I was just lost thinking about being disciplined by Miss Rosenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Stay after class, one sick puppy. I've been very naughty. <laughs> Her shirt is so awful. It's kind of like a plaid with like flowers randomly it's just bad is it worse than her rainbow sweater at the bronze it's on par (laughs) Uh, but she makes a joke about you know i think you guys will really enjoy coding and then makes them all laugh and then she's pumped when giles comes giles i made him laugh did you hear i did the joke thing (laughs) no i feel like i don't know if it's just been a while or maybe it's the lighting in this scene, or maybe I'm just not very observant until this point. But it feels like she dyed her hair again. It feels really bright in this scene. Really red. 
Yeah, was, I didn't catch that. That was just because she knew one sick puppy was going to be on this episode. She had Maybe. To... So, <laughs> so Giles shows up. They discuss things. Uh, basically, just how Willow's been teaching the class if she needs any help. Uh, she also she mentions that she's been browsing some some pagan websites and some occult and witchcrafty websites that uh, Jenny had bookmarked. Which is interesting considering I think it was last episode or the one before where she did her first spell. Yeah, and I like how the school went ahead and bought her a new monitor. Like, a lot of people would cry plot hole, I feel. You know, her computer broke. How could she have all Jenny's files? But it was just the monitor, if you remember. And looks like she got a brand spanking 1998 new one. <laughs> a Tandy monitor. Tandy. <laughs> And so uh, then Willow gives Giles a rose quartz that he found in that she found in Miss Calendar's desk, saying uh, it's for healing and that Jenny would want him to have it. And starts playing the Remembering Jenny, the this Jenny Giles love theme by Christoph Beck. Oh, it's painful. It's yeah, little... I thought this was this scene was kind of insensitive. It was unnecessary, I feel, because the, this rose quartz, as far as I can remember, it doesn't come back this episode. And I don't know if it comes back. At all. And I don't know why it was... I thought it was a bit of a sweet gesture. It was nice, but... I don't know. I looked it up, and Rose Quartz actually is purported to have healing properties, and it's got to do with love and whatnot. But, uh, you know, she's just like... I'm digging through Jenny's files, and I'm learning all this pagan stuff. And here's a necklace from Jenny. And it's like, have some sensitivity for Giles. Can you shut up about Jenny for five seconds? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, here, gig him with Jenny just over and over. And it's like, he had to go back to the library and cry in his tea. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, everyone else seems to have got over it pretty quickly. <laughs> And so they're like, ah, Giles was probably fine. They, they weren't that close anyway. And so uh, in class later that day, the Buffy's teacher is talking about some really boring sh- about like the 20s, and I don't know what he's saying. She zones out as one is wont to do. Uh, She's and, back in the 50s, though. Yeah, she starts daydreaming about the 50s, and uh, Christopher Gorham's there. I have to talk about this because I got way too happy to see Christopher Gorham. Uh, what I know him from most is a show called Popular that aired about the time Buffy was wrapping up. About 2001 to 2002, he played a character named Harrison. He's on Ugly Betty. He's just, I love him as an actor. So I have to give a shout out to one of our Twitter followers as well, Jackie Dominique, who's a huge, huge fan of his because she's a big Ugly Betty fan. Christopher Gorham, man. I wouldn't watch Ugly Betty for money. <laughs> <laughs> but they discuss a book by Hemingway, which, it, despite, or not despite, which, based on what they're saying about it, seems to be A Farewell to Arms, is the book. I don't know. I gotta say, I've only ever read one uh, Hemingway book, and that was The Old Man in the Sea, and I read it when I was probably like 13 years old, and it was miserable. It was so boring. But... I've been wanting to go back and read some some Hemingway now that I'm an old man and see if uh, I connect with it more. So you live by the sea? I do not, but I <laughs> am not opposed to moving towards the sea. <laughs> but yeah, he's a bit too flirty with the teacher. They're both a bit too flirty with each other. I feel like there's a little uh, necky going on. 
Yeah, he touches her hand. <laughs> yeah, students don't touch teachers' hands. They uh, this is the fifties. Not in the fifties, they don't. <laughs> Basically, she's daydreaming about a pretty obvious teacher-student relationship, uh, and she snaps back. Is to she the daydreaming, or is that Slayer uh, daydreaming? Yeah, is that a Slayer dream? Is she kind it's of a Slayer uh, daydream? <laughs> yeah, more effective than Slayer dreams. Well, it's not like the entire class had the same vision at the same time, so it must be Slayer related, right? Right. Yeah. So, so do you think regular Slayer dreams show the future and Slayer daydreams show the past? <laughs> but Slayer dreams have also shown the past because the whole there's the whole lore of how they see. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was ever explored beyond the movie, but <laughs> all the Slayers of the past and how they died so they can prepare. Right. So uh, she wakes up, and the teacher's talking, but what he's saying is not what he's writing on the board, which is an impressive skill. <laughs> and the teacher actually wrote, don't walk away from me, bitch, on the blackboard, which is... Uh, his last class he ever taught. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure that's not Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also, uh, if you recall, the line that... It's one of the lines spoken in the argument between the... Uh, the two Lovers. students earlier. If you didn't catch on, if you're not that attuned to the episode. But Xander thinks that Buffy's kind of overacting. It's all pretty chill. It's funny. The teacher wrote on the blackboard until... Yeah, weird stuff doesn't happen in Sunnydale. Buffy, you're overreacting. Until uh, Inca Mummy Girl reaches out of his locker and tries to get him. Yeah, weird. Yeah, like, zombie. Xander head. looks really thin in this... When he was walking down the hallway, it it struck me he looks really thin. Like, yeah, this and like, especially next episode, he's been working out a lot. Drugs thin. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then so the zombie arm grabs Xander from the inside of his locker and starts pulling him in. Uh, Buffy helps him break away, but the arm is gone. Ooh. <laughs> See, it is a spooky episode. <laughs> yeah, he's got a really weird postcard in his. Locker, and it's uh, Anne Magnuson, The Love Show. And this was like, this chick has been in, she's been an actress for God knows how long. She's been in all kinds of stuff. But she put out like two really obscure albums. And it's like, uh, I don't know, early 60s lounge singing. <laughs> and it is, I, I looked it up because it struck me as weird. But it is the the craziest thing for Xander to have in his locker. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bizarre. I noticed it too, but I didn't quite know what it was. And I, I, I picked up also that he had a psychedelic sticker yes. in his locker. And if you add that in with the mushroom sweater he was wearing before, I think they're trying to make him out to be a druggie. Well, that's why he lost so much weight. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, they entered the library. Willow's great line about Xander looking like a mess. <laughs> Did Cordy win another round in the broom closet? <laughs> yeah, and so Buffy and Xander, they attempt to explain to Willow and Giles what just happened. You know, a locker monster grabbed him. A Loch Ness monster. Loch Ness. Yeah, that's... I love that. <laughs> He's concerned. But paranormal... <laughs> they say how it's a paranormal phenomenon. It's ghosts. And Xander's great line, and... When I watched this, I was so glad we have you on the episode, one sick puppy. Xander says, I'm dead as hell, and I'm just not going to take it anymore. That's right. <laughs> now, that's a reference to the line, mad as hell, uh, from Network. Did you Were you aware of that line? Was that subconscious at all when you named your podcast? 
honestly, I did not name it after that. That's just something I say. And I don't know if I learned that from this episode. If it just it worked its way into my vocabulary. But uh, I'm proud that it's there. It's your it was legacy. originally called Wiggins the, the Podcast. So <laughs> Yeah, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> so I wrote in my notes, shout out to one sick puppy. <laughs> You'd get a shout out whether you're here or not. <laughs> awesome. So Giles is intrigued by the possibility that it could be a poltergeist, uh, which Xander accurately defined by accident. So he, Xander, no more books for Xander. He knows it all. <laughs> and they say how it lashes out because it's confused and angry in Buffy's great self-aware line. So a normal teenager, only dead. <laughs> Yeah, and so they then they just have a scene explaining the Buffy lore version of poltergeists. Yeah, basically you have to... Well, it's the typical ghost lore, where a ghost has to solve an unresolved issue to ascend into the afterlife. Or descend. <laughs> uh. They basically have to be Dr. Laura for the deceased, as Buffy says. Yeah. And the so, first first step is they have to find out who it was. So at night, uh, <laughs> the janitor. Hey, he, your boy. He's back. Yes. And uh, the a teacher, Miss Frank, uh, just have a cordial conversation. It's a sexy conversation. Who are you kidding? <laughs> they just like, hey, is it okay to walk here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Drive safe. <laughs> And then all of a sudden he's like, Miss Frank? And she's like, yes, and turns around. And they fall into the motions. Uh, the she... same the same dramatic uh, breakup that the students were going through earlier. Word she... for word. She dumps him. Yeah. Dumps the he poor janitor. That... <laughs> he doesn't deserve that. Just he's a good actor. Is... He's got over 150 IMDb credits to his name. Yeah, and this trick is... is... <laughs> You know, she's Miriam Flynn. She's all out all throughout the vacation franchise with uh she was Randy Quaid's wife in the movies, so you know she's batch crazy. Yeah, anyone who puts up with the Quaids, uh... <laughs> but, uh And I was thinking about that today, man. You know, she she played his wife in at least four movies and she has got to thank her lucky stars every day that she was only playing his wife. Because I don't know if you guys keep up with him. Do they talk yeah. about him a lot in Canada? Not really, I, but I'm I'm familiar with uh, his his recent antics. <laughs> yeah, I check in on him every once in a while. Just I don't I I haven't quite got it figured out yet. But Randy Quaid has lost his <laughs> and aged really poorly. On top of that, well, he was he's, never pretty to start with. No, but he's a lot younger than he looks like he is, if I remember correctly, because he just. Well, he's he's losing it. <laughs> but uh, Miss Frank dumps the janitor, uh, and suddenly he pulls the gun. And commercial break. Air. Commercial break. That's twice now that you've used that love is forever gunpoint line, and then commercial break. That's cheating. You can't do it twice, Marty. And uh, so Giles can overhear this happening. And immediately comes to the conclusion that Jenny is haunting the school. <laughs> It's because he's traumatized from earlier with Willow. That's all he can think about. <laughs> and he hears the, the don't walk away from me, Bitka. And hears some ghostly whispers. I need you. And uh, then he watches 
as helplessly as George the janitor shoots Miss Frank off a balcony. Human death count one. She's dead. She's done for. Do you think it was the fall or the gunshot that killed her? <laughs> well, I think it was the total eclipse of the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a bit of both. It was the heartbreak of the situation. Yes. So. And uh, so the janitor starts to run away. Can't believe what he just did. And Giles tackles him. And the gun turns to smoke. It's just awesome CG. That that was pretty cool. It just kind of just blows into smoke. It didn't just disappear. It wisped away. Exactly. It was pretty, Dissolved it was, it was pretty and evaporated. Awesome. I was so excited. <laughs> and the janitor is, of course, confused. Doesn't know what's going on. He knows that he just shot a woman. Doesn't know why. We've all uh, been there. <laughs> Bitch shouldn't have walked on my clean floor. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't actually say it was okay. She's like, oh, is it okay to walk here? And he just says, go ahead. Like Which almost, you, you, you could take that as a threat. Go ahead, really. bitch. Make my day. <laughs> <laughs> is it okay to walk here? Walk there. <laughs> Try me. How <laughs> dare you? Elsewhere, Angel's taken Drew on a, a garden tour of a mansion. New evil base. Yeah, and she's so excited because gardens. I love this set. When I think back to the early seasons, I always think of this beautiful outdoor set with like the creeping vines and oh, it's so nice. I completely forgot about Stone it. Stone pillars and fountains. It's lovely. I'm sorry. But, uh, I was thinking about being disciplined by Drusilla. <laughs> <laughs> so she says it's fairyland. She's excited. Spike wheels in bitching and moaning. And Angel yeah, is... how does I mean he's? He, I understand he's got supernatural powers and everything, but there is no way in hell there's a ramp. Going out to this this little courtyard, he hops up the wheelchair up the stairs. I mean, you you could probably get a good roll going and get down two or three stairs, but there's no way he's getting back up because you know Angelus is not going to carry his ass. Yeah, well, that's probably why he's so just generally unamused in this scene. But uh, or it could be all the wheelchair jokes Angel's making and all the flirting Angel's doing with his girlfriend. <laughs> he's just and he's also upset on top of all that that you know, old place was just fine till you had to go get it burned down. <laughs> like he's not happy with the way Angel does things. He doesn't like to have to sacrifice things. But he seems hella healed up this week. His face is looking a lot lot cleaner, no burns. Yeah. Well vamps have a supernatural healing. I'm surprised actually he's not fully healed already. But uh, Angel just loves to see his buddy smile as he's flirting with Drew because he's a giver. You know he's doing more than flirting with that girl. <laughs> I think Spike does too, and that's why he's so mad. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Willow's got her smiley face backpack on again. I think that's three episodes in a row. With her, that like, she's had the same backpack? Yeah, they never do that. Props to wardrobe. You're a bro. People I thought she carried her. a teddy bear backpack. Cordy did, uh, in Bad Eggs. Ah, I see. Oh, yeah. I but, have problems with And that. never again. <laughs> never wore it again. Because the eyes popped out. Yeah. See, that's the hard thing about doing these podcasts with you guys, is you're watching every single episode in order, and I'm only watching the ones I'm on, so it all runs together, and I'm trying to remember things. I don't have this crazy, freakish Canadian memory that you guys seem to have for every detail ever. <laughs> Well, what you just got to do is every time you come on an episode, you have to watch every episode up to that point. And then that Yeah. Episode. 
<laughs> Don't think I haven't considered it. <laughs> More reasons to rewatch. You know, shout out to the wardrobe team and their damn smiley faces. <laughs> In the library, uh, Giles explains what he saw the night before and tells him that he's figured it out. It's plain as a day. It's Jenny. <laughs> she died here under tragic circumstances. And he's ignoring everything else. It's a, They're like pointing out, you know, this is significant. There's a gun. It's a violent crime. And he's like, no, insignificant. And like, <laughs> yeah. And they say the pattern doesn't fit. And he's like, good. You should be you know, questioning me. I've always tried to let, let you feel that you can and that you shouldn't be scared by my authority. Uh, but in this case, I'm right and you're wrong. And <laughs> I love how he delivered that, though, because right. it's so easy to make that a super catty like mean line. You should never be cowed by authority. I, I feel that's the message of this episode. Yeah, f- the man. <laughs> but uh, Willow. Uh, well, none of the none of the gang is convinced except Giles. So they uh, go to the computer lab to start doing some other research. Yeah, they they think it's because he misses uh, Jenny, even though nobody's brought him up all episode. So. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't. Why would he remember Jenny? A Willow immediately pulls up the exact right article. First try. First try. She just like opens it up and she's like, "Here it is." I had like, a minimum already on her. Yeah, <laughs> reading a cracked article about this earlier today, and <laughs> and uh, so yeah, she finds that there's a killing in fifty five where a student killed his teacher after she tried to break off their affair, and then he shot himself in the music room. Which is a human death count of three. So Buffy reveals her her dream to Willow and Xander, and it all matches up. With the yearbook as well. Yeah, so they say, okay, we're probably dealing with James's ghost. Which, by the way, his name is James. Christopher Gorham is James. James Stanley and the, his teacher Grace Newman. Those are very 50s names. Yeah. And, uh... You know, everyone's kind of like, Willow's like, don't you feel bad for them? And Buffy's a bit bitter. Like, I feel bad for her. Why would I feel bad for him? And just kind of getting all angry. You know, Xander makes the joke that the quality of mercy is not Buffy, which is Merchant of Venice paraphrasing Shakespeare. And Buffy's just as close-minded as Giles, I feel, in this scene. Just in a different way. You know, she just wants... To stop it all, she doesn't care. She doesn't feel bad for them. She doesn't care about James. He's a murderer. He deserves to just be done. He doesn't. She, he well, doesn't deserve closure. Basically, I think the difference is this particular situation has nothing to do with Giles and what he's going through, but he's totally convinced it himself that it does. While it has a lot of parallels with what Buffy's going through, and she's trying her hardest to convince herself that it doesn't. But all three of the people who are really in love in this episode are all concerned about themselves and not the people that they're in love with. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a relationship. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Drop that depth on you right there, baby. <laughs> One sick puppy's got a lot of layers. I just made that shit up too. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Xander's like, uh, who's hungry? <laughs> kind of diffusing the tension. Yeah, so in the cafeteria, Cordelia is talking about boycotting the dance. She's <laughs> sitting with the Scoobies. That's 
strange. It feel, felt weird. I think she pretty much left Harmony and the Cordettes, now the Harmets, behind. The Harmets? Harmonettes. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like she left them behind when she chose Xander that one episode. And she's a... Yeah. Uh... Xander's been working at Tongue Magic. She's coming around. <laughs> and, uh, you know, whose idea was... She's boycotting Sadie Hawkins. Like, whose idea was it for the girls to pay for everything? And Xander is... Xander's line, obviously some hairy-legged feminist, which a lot of people lately, because of the oh. whole Age of Ultron... You know, hating on Joss Whedon trend. A lot of people have been dredging up this line and being like, this guy claims to be a feminist, completely ignoring the fact that Marty Noxon, a feminist woman, wrote this episode. I feel like the hairy legged feminist is in reference to Joss himself. <laughs> Maybe. Because Joss infamously came up with the idea of the Sadie Hawkins dance. But, um,. Yeah, so they're talking about boycotting the dance and then snakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chaos, just all hell breaks loose when everyone's food just turns to snakes. Yeah, I've suddenly I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plate. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one bites Cordy on the face. Just yeah, gave that's her not peck, cool, man. Peck on the that's... cheek. That snake needs to die. <laughs> and people are just tripping over tables and shit. It's chaos. Snake control comes in. <laughs> so outside, uh, firemen, policemen, ambulance workers, the camera crew. I don't know. Everyone's cleaning the building. Cordy just says, I wish it killed me. <laughs> it's just Jesus Christ. <laughs> and meanwhile, Snyder's talking to the police chief about the incident. Uh, which is the second time Snyder and a police chief have been all shifty. Is this the same police chief? I think it is. I don't is. know. And, yeah, he's like, he's basically, it's like, so what's the excuse this time, boss? Which is what they talked about last time. But Snyder says, you know, oh, it's a... Uh, I don't remember what he... Uh, they end up saying uh, sewer backed up. Yeah. Same thing happened in San Diego last week. And but, uh, they reveal, importantly... Oh, yeah, here it comes. They're on a hellmouth, and that sooner or later people will figure it out, and that Snyder seems to be appointed for this job so he could handle it. By the mayor. Who? The mayor! Yes! (laughs) Here he comes. And one sick puppy also mentioned in Puppet Show, when we did that one last season, that this was coming up. So there's a throwback. You you keep listening to Weedonverse Podcast, it pays off. It does. (laughs) And so, yeah, we find a lot of, I mean, we already knew that Snyder and the police chief were aware something's up and covering something up. But, yeah, they straight up dropped the bomb that they know they're on a hellmouth and that, you know, Snyder said he could do this job when he was appointed there by the council. And, you know, do we have to bring the mayor into this? He says, no, 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 I can handle this. So uh, remember that, because the, the mayor... glorious subterfuge. I love it. The mayor does happen to be an important character. <laughs> and... Or does he? Stay tuned to find out. So at somebody's house, which I'm not... It doesn't look like Buffy's, but I don't know whose it is. I think it was it was Buffy's room. I noted this because she has the up down, upside-down lampshade that I've noticed since episode one. It's just okay. shot from a different angle that we never, ever see it from. 
So I think uh, a shot from it. If that's Buffy's room, that's an angle that can't really exist because they're standing like on the other side of the wall. Basically, basically the camera's mounted inside the wall somewhere. <laughs> yeah, they're Willow's explaining that they need to exercise the ghost and how. <laughs> Willow says the only solution is the final solution, and Andrew. Oh my school? god! No, no, kid, that really caught me today. And I looked it up. I googled it just to make sure I wasn't going crazy. The final solution. Do you know what this is? I think it went over my head. The final solution is what the Nazis called their plan to exterminate the Jews. Oh my god! This this is what the Jewish character in the show thinks is the solution to this problem. I thought that was freaking horrible. I hope that wasn't intentional. <laughs> <laughs> no, I doubt it was intentional, but the fact that that slipped past somebody is just blew my mind. Oh, that's, that's really bad. It's really messed up. Yeah. Xander says, you know, nuke the school and not quite exorcism. <laughs> Cordelia's great line, no way, I saw that movie, even the priest died. <laughs> <laughs> We're not spoiler free for everything, damn it. <laughs> and... <laughs> So Willow, she basically shows them some weird charts and graphs and God knows. She devises a plan to contain the spirits. And then they they just head off to the school to, to set everything up. So Willow's becoming like magic girl. She like makes little, I don't know, what are Scapulas. they? Scapulas. Spatulas. No, they're actually scapular with an R on it. Because according to the subtitles on what I was watching anyway. Scapulars. I looked that up, and I could not find a reference where it was any sort of protective bag. A scapular is actually a part of the priest vestment that that looks the same in the front as it does the back. And you can have them really small, but uh, it's still pretty much just a, a an image or a design. It's not what they're actually wearing. So I'm not sure exactly where that's based, but I couldn't find it anywhere in pagan or wiccan lore anywhere yeah. it's probably just a stretch for the show i'm sure but uh it smells terrible apparently uh Willow made made sulfur it. she had to scrape them together last second and she had sulfur lying around so <laughs> yeah and they uh suddenly get locked in yeah a lot of supernatural lore in this episode i think like more so like just dropping out things that may or may not come back but just kind of Oh, supernatural-ish lore. So the new uh, the new garden abode, Drusilla is digging herself a burrow. Yeah, a nest of some sort. <laughs> and and uh, basically, Spike and Angel argue a bit. Drusilla starts having a vision about uh, a black gate engulfing Buffy and etc. And then Angel starts seducing Drew and Spike's pissed. And see, it's not really that different from the last one. No, it's just more feeling up Drew and saying how he doesn't feel like he should focus on Buffy right now. He'll focus on that instead. I think the important thing was the vision, which wasn't important. Yeah. So at school, uh, they start getting in their positions and Willow runs into Giles, finding out he's already arrived and is trying to communicate with Jenny's spirit. <laughs> and he tells her basically like stand back things are gonna get hairy <laughs> he's like what's that smell oh my scapula 
You a sulfur? Yeah. Huh, clever. But he doesn't, he seems too distracted to really care why she's there and why she's got that and why they're forming in a big triangle with Buffy at like the apex. Like, he doesn't really care. <laughs> He's like too distracted by thoughts of Jenny, which is Willow's fault, so. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Cordy's checking out her snake bite in the mirror. And uh, Buffy hears music coming from the music room. But the snake bite, it looks kind of rad. Like, like there's a cheek vampire going around. Yeah, I was going to say the fangs are awfully far apart. Yeah. <laughs> They're used to doing vampire prosthetics. They probably just reused one of the bite pieces on her cheek. <laughs> yeah, and then Buffy hears music coming from the music room, and she goes and looks through the window and sees uh, Grace and James just dancing. But do you know what song is playing, Clairvoyant? Uh, yeah, it's the same as the episode title, but the song wasn't out yet. It's a doo oh. song. I'm only... so glad you said that. That's I just that bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the song is "I Only Have Eyes for You" by the Flamingos, which is obviously what the episode's named after. But that song came out about 1959. This episode, this dance sequence that Buffy's supposedly watching was 1955. So maybe the ghost like start kept listening to music through the years, found a song that he liked, and. <laughs> Like, I don't, yeah, the song I, itself is really old, but the Flamingos yeah. version was not released until 1959, four years later. Maybe, so. yeah, well, maybe that was the recording he he grew accustomed to in his ghostly state. He's like, I, I like this one. <laughs> and so uh, Xander trudges through the snake-infested cafeteria, which makes me feel like, why the hell did they have everyone in there cleaning the damn building? So they didn't get a goddamn snake out of there. <laughs> or did is this part of the haunting, and they cleared it entirely of snakes, and now they're just back? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering. Is that just great? Oh, yeah, baby, it's snake-alicious in here. Because <laughs> apparently snake wranglers can't do their job. Yeah, and uh, Willow's is getting in place on top of the stairs. I like how they all have their own kind of spot. Buffy's by the music room. Xander's in the cafeteria. Cordy's in the girls' bathroom. Or a bathroom. It doesn't have to be girls. And Willow's kind of on top of their their, uh, staircase. So it's kind of like a... Cool to see them all separated. And Buffy's watching James and Grace dance still. And suddenly James is a zombified mess. Which is actually Christopher Gorham without makeup on. <laughs> and then suddenly, after Buffy sees this, everybody's that's going to hell. Cordy's face is rapidly infecting. Uh, Willow starts getting pulled through the floor by the Loch Ness monster, and Giles <laughs> rushes to save her. Needless to say, weird things are going down. Apparently, uh, both Cordy's face in the mirror and the wormhole are both references to the movie Poltergeist. Then Giles and Jenny. Giles and Jenny. Whoa. Spoiler. He wishes. No, Giles and Willow. Fall no, Ghost down the Jenny. Stairs. He's right all the time. The whole time. Giles and Willow fall down the stairs. It's romantic. Yeah, that, there is some really inappropriate leg wrapping in that. Yeah. They tumble down the stairs and just start making out. But to be fair, it was probably stuntmen and not the actors themselves. No, it was them. Go back and watch the scene. He's She is firmly planted between his legs. It is. Very uncomfortable, and I do not appreciate it at all. It's because it's Giles. <laughs> so Buffy has a uh, another Slayer daydream flashback, uh, whatever you you call it, to the familiar familiar scene we've seen playing out 
but it's between James and Grace. Yeah. And so she sees uh, yeah, everything happen. She sees James shoot himself. Though in my notes I wrote, she sees Grace shoot himself. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> and, then... <laughs> and then just zombie Gorham pops up and get out. Meanwhile, Cordelia's still freaking out. Even though her I, face is looking better. I don't know. <laughs> we just get a shot of her freaking out. <laughs> then uh, Willow finally convinces Giles with little to no effort that the spirit is not Jenny. Well, he she says, Giles, Jenny could never be this mean. And so he realizes you're right. They, they can't be her. And he's like, there was this one time uh, when... Uh, <laughs> she shot me with a crossbow, for one. She got pissed at me when I possessed her with Igon. Uh, do I need to go on? Not to mention she's a dirty lion gypsy. Worst of all, she took me to a monster truck rally. And there was the books versus computers debate where she pulled no punches. <laughs> so, uh, we all know that Jenny's very capable of doing this. <laughs> I don't have to defend her anymore. She's dead. And <laughs> so... The bell tolls. The bell tolls. And uh, everybody immediately... Why Why does the bell toll? Where is this bell located? For whom does the bell toll? (laughs) Why is it tolling at night? It's at midnight, I believe. Nobody's in a school at midnight. Supposed to be, at least. Not even janitor guy. Well, no. He's probably in jail. (laughs) But, uh, no, I... So they all kind of get into this position. I love this scene, because it's showing them all doing the spell in their own spot in their own way like it's like the same spell but they all have their own way of doing it yeah willow lights the candle and she starts chanting it like she knows what she's doing then we have uh cordelia paraphrasing (laughs) adding likes and totalies (laughs) then we have xander sitting like swami style on like a desk in the cafeteria and then buffy's just casually lighting her candle and saying it and uh then all the candles blow out and as they were trying to accomplish, a swarm of wasps enters the school. <laughs> yeah, do you realize one does? Now everyone books it. A swarm of bees. Once again, not bad CG for this episode. Sorry. Right. Unless it's real bees. <laughs> Everybody rushes out to find that the whole school is uh, covered in little yellow jackets. Yeah, which I always think are flies to start off with. Yeah, the two black. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to see. They're little. It's midnight. Yeah, but <laughs> and so everybody goes for a goes for a coffee break at Buffy's. You know what I was thinking? This scene wouldn't it be weird? Like, because doesn't the spirit want people to reenact it? Willow and Giles were together the whole time. What if they reenacted it? That'd be messed up. At least there's no like kissing in the scene, is there? No, it's not. It's a breakup. Do you normally kiss when you break up? If you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) They don't always go for that, though. (laughs) So uh, they talk talk it over, and they realize that uh, (laughs) James is pretty much caught in purgatory, forever doomed to kill Miss Newman. But Uh, Buffy realized through all this, he just wants forgiveness. But... That moment of realization is ruined by Buffy saying, but he doesn't deserve it. (laughs) And it's clear at this point that she's projecting. Because she says, look, he destroyed somebody he loved most in a moment of blind passion, and he has to live with it for the rest of his life. Which Xander says, he can't. 
he's dead. <laughs> and then she storms out to the kitchen. But it all makes sense now why she's kind of... Yeah, things got a little personal. The The subtext rapidly became text. And uh, she finds a 1955 Sadie Hawkins dance flyer in her pocket. Have you noticed any time the ghostly stuff starts happening, and maybe it's not intentional, it seems like the scenery gets more 50s. Like, there's posters and stuff in the background that maybe they were there before, but I didn't notice them. You know, 50s-style posters, like, come to the Sadie Hawkins. Oh, no, stuff. absolutely. Uh, no, those, whenever, those posters start plastering the walls and windows and stuff when it starts. That poster seems to be always present. Maybe whenever. that's why Xander had the weird old postcard or poster in his locker. Yeah, maybe. And uh, so she hears James's voice whisper, I need you. So she heads back to the school. How do you know it was James? How do you know it wasn't the janitor? I don't. I don't. <laughs> only How do you know it wasn't Jenny? Chris, <laughs> only Mr. Universe can recognize Christopher, Warham, Christopher Gorham's sultry whispers. Fun but, fact, when I first saw this episode... I was so excited to see Christopher Gorham in it that I tweeted to him, and he tweeted back to me. That was my first Twitter interaction with a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she heads back to the school. The wasps part for her nicely, and she enters. She, she, she parts the red bees. <laughs> <laughs> They're not red. The red sea's not actually red. So That's Will finds. <laughs> yeah. Willow finds the ad, and everybody rushes after Buffy. But they can't enter the school because Moses let the sea close behind him to drown the Romans. Let it go. Let it go. (laughs) So this part uh, is actually it's this is the scene that made Joss Whedon realize that David Boreanaz could carry his own show, and he's had more than one actually since this, where he's the lead. But (laughs) the part that I associate with this is there's a. A blooper that gets me every time. Uh, yes. Where so Buffy enters the school, and Angelus appears in the hall behind. Well, her. before that, Buffy enters the school, and they're like, "But she'll be fine because she's alone. She can't reenact the scene. There's nobody else there." Yeah, and then of course Angelus is in the halls with her, and he says, "Fun fact about wasps: they have they don't really have a taste for the undead." But there's this blooper that just gets me every time, where David says, "Fun fact about wasps." And he's what? totally serious, and then he's like, I'm sorry, I just said WAPS. And, and they just then, both burst out laughing, like, completely serious scene, and they just can't stop laughing. I haven't seen that. And <laughs> what's also funny is how WAPS, uh, especially during the whole Jersey Shore Guido thing, uh, came into slight prominence as a derogatory term for Italians. Oh, that's bro, fun. that's an old term. That, yeah. that comes from immigration back in the... I don't know, teens. Yeah, but it came back. It, they came back with Jersey Shore. Uh, it, came, it made its comeback. They took it back. Oh. I'm from the South. It never went away. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but they're forgetting. You're saying how like Buffy's alone in the school and all that. They're forgetting about Amy's mom, for one. She's in that trophy for you ever. She sure is, isn't she? <laughs> I forgot about her, too. Your little trophy's mouth starts moving. Don't walk away from me, bitch. <laughs> so, Buffy and... Uh, Buffy and Angelus are... Having a, a, a conversation. Friendly. 
And uh, it feels like Buffy's possessed at this point, and Angelus is not, but he doesn't realize that Buffy's possessed. She starts playing the, the part, but she's playing the part of James, not Miss Newman. And he's not playing along at first. You know, she says the line, you can't make me disappear just because you say it's over. And he's like, actually, I can. (laughs) (laughs) He's just kind of confused. And then he approaches, and he gets caught in her orbit. And then he starts taking on the part of Miss Newman. I just want you to be able to have some kind of normal life. And they really, really sell this scene. It's so weird and awesome to see all the different actors in this episode play the scene in the same way. And it keeps flashing back and forth to the fifties too, watching the originals, Christopher Gorham and uh, bitch played (laughs) Grace Newman act out as well. Miss Salinger. Um, I think this scene is brilliantly handled because not only is there the, I mean like the fact that Buffy is James and Angel is Grace. Uh, they handle it really well. And, you know, the fact that Angel could convincingly basically take on the feminine role and that David had no hang-ups about it and did it well is what convinced Joss, hey, this this guy is, this guy is a pro. But... The uh, way they, they filmed the scene, they actually... And I don't know if they did this just for Sarah and David or for the others as well, but they had filmed the scene first with Christopher Gorham and Meredith Salinger playing it out, the original people from the 50s, and then they showed that footage of that original film scene to David Boreanaz and Sarah Michelle Geller and said, do it the way they're doing it, essentially. So they, not only did they act out the scene, they acted out how the ghosts would have been doing it. I also, I like, you know, that, you know, Buffy took on James and Angel, Angelus took on uh, the teacher because if... I mean, if, if the roles were swapped and they were the correct genders of the character, there would be no parallels between, you know, this the scene that's playing out and the scene that's actually happening. But, you know, with this, we're talking about, you know, Buffy just wants Angel, and the Angel's saying, hey, this, you, you can't have, you couldn't have a normal life with me. Is that what you want? And, you know, and it's, it feels very, almost like it's like, cathartic scene for Buffy because she says, you know, say you don't actually love me and Angel says, I don't. And that's why James needed her because he needed her to be him. They, they felt the same things and he needed her to, to bring closure to his own story. And also it's so perfect that they switched roles gender wise, because not just for, you know, feminist power and metaphor for, how gender roles have grown since the fifties, which I'm obviously absolutely reading into it way too much, but it's just <laughs> it's very important for the parallels. And it just, I just loved it. Shh, I'm done. That's my piece. Also, and so of course, Buffy shoots angel and he falls off the balcony. Uh, but and that's why it's perfect too, because you can't shoot a vampire. <laughs> yeah. And so one thing that's great is not only does it work for the overall arc of things, but it actually solves this episode's little plot as well because the whole thing is this guy's forced to, you know, shoot his lover on loop forever and he can't stop it, but he also, you know, he can't, he, he just wants to make things right, but he can't stop it. He can't change anything. Because we see in this scene with Buffy acting out that it was actually an accident. 
didn't appear to mean mean to shoot her. He was kind of getting a bit overzealous. Uh, props to David here for acting feminine, but not like flamboyantly overacting playing a woman. Because that's so easy to do wrong. Yeah, he could have gone full out like drag queen. <laughs> and um... so outside the gang, here's the shot. And this whole time I realized they're thinking that Buffy's going to be reenacting this as the female. So they think that Kendra's on her way back to town right now. Because <laughs> they hear the shot. And, Do, you get uh, it? Do you get the joke, Clairvoy? So then Buffy runs to the music room after shooting Angel. And she's going to off herself. Jesus. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a sensitive way to say As James did 50 years before. No, it's like 40, 43. But... I noticed all the lights are still on in the music room. I'm going to chalk it up to ghostliness, but all the lights, all the like lamps are still on the sheet music. Weird. And so she's going to kill herself with the gun. And then Grace shows up and says, hey, don't do it. I forgive you. And they apologize to each other and start making it. Making it. Making it. Buffy starts it. punishing Angel for being late. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so the spirits are now able to pass on and they leave Buffy and Angelus's bodies. I don't know how I feel about all that. With the big, glowy, heavenly orb above them and sucking the light out of them. And it's... Do you think they could just calmly ascend? Just be chill about it? <laughs> I'm just glad there wasn't, like... Like, we didn't see the the spirits of like james and grace leave their bodies in like white robes with like wings and halos oh my god like thank you as they like ascend <laughs> harps but i think you're uh, talking about cocoon <laughs> <laughs> and so buffy and Angelus break away from the kiss and Angelus kind of realizes what he's been doing Buffy and Giles are kissing? No, Buffy stop it! Buffy and Angelus. Buffy oh, my God. I will enunciate more. And Jealous. <laughs> uh, they kind of snap out of it, make kiss, and he kind of... She thinks he's okay for a second, I feel. And he kind of throws her aside and runs off. And he growls like a wild animal. Yeah, that was kind of cool. One sick puppy's bedroom tactics as well. Growl and run off and leave him wanting more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that seems also very reminiscent of when she first finds out he's a vampire when you know they're just kissing and all of a sudden he breaks away from it in vamp face growls and runs off uh sure <laughs> and so the gang meet up in the library the next day everything's talking normal about, bees are gone talking about school is not going to be cancelled now yeah like sh you fucked up <laughs> and uh Buffy kind of, Giles asks Buffy how she's doing, and she realizes how much that she, you know, related to James, and how much James related to her, and mm. it kind of admits it to herself a bit. But she doesn't understand why Grace would forgive him, and Giles is a great line, but does it matter? When she mm. says, no, not really. Yeah. And then, uh, at the garden, Angelus is giving himself a furious scrub down. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I'd like to reword that. <laughs> it's too late. 
the garden. Angelus is is washing up. <laughs> He's close with Buffy. I like that. He felt love, and he hates it. Yeah. And then he invites Drusilla for a night out on the town. <laughs> By night out on the town, we mean we kill somebody, not just drinks. Drinks, yeah. Now, what bugs me about this scene is he's taking his whore bath in the in the fountain, and then instantly, when he goes to put his clothes on, he's dry. It's a vamp thing, I think. They just absorb water better. <laughs> no, I didn't notice that, actually, though. Yeah, he's splashing water all over his face and all over his chest, and he's, it's on his hands and running down his forearms, and then he just puts on his shirt and his jacket, and he's totally dry. Or they ask Spike if he wants to come on their little hunt. And Angel, sorry, gotta travel light. Try not to have fun without me. <laughs> and uh, they leave him behind. And... Poor Spike, they've been terrorizing him all episode, half the damn season. And then when they're gone, he stands up and kicks his chair over. And he's not uh, hes not happy with how he's been treated. And he says, oh, I'll have fun sooner than you think. And why play it cool all episode? If you can walk... Why accept all this abuse? Spike, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing he would do. He's so... It's strategy, man. <laughs> he waits until they're gone, and then he stands up and flexes his legs. <laughs> He's getting special treatment this way. They bring him food. He doesn't have to go hunting. No, exactly. it's gonna it's gonna pay off. But... It's evil genius stuff. Come on, dude. <laughs> but yeah, no, the end of this episode, yeah, it made me pretty excited. He kind of stands up, and it's like he's got tricks up his sleeve. He's playing some badass rock, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. After this episode aired, actually, Sarah Michelle Gellar, though the show's dealt with lots of heavy stuff already, Sarah Michelle Gellar did a little PSA about the dangers of teen suicide. Just a, Yeah, why didn't they put that on the DVD? <laughs> First one that's deals really with teen suicide they had that one they had a staged teen suicide of that guy from i robot eugene but i think it was the first one where a kid actually kills themselves it's possible but you know they don't give don't mess with demons psas because demons are people (laughs) but so that's the episode now the reason i brought one sick puppy on this episode because before I asked him what episodes he wanted to do, as I do, what episodes do you want to do, what episodes you don't want to do, he didn't want to do this one. So I brought him on. Because, because you I, hate me. Because I hate him. And because I really enjoyed this episode quite a bit. Uh, we got a human death count of three in this episode, by the way. And there was a cut line showing some almost, almost Cordelia compassion. It was, you know... Cordelia's like, what's up with Buffy? Is she okay? And then immediately goes into talking about girl, like her girlfriends hooking up with boys, but they're totally cheating and just all that Cordy stuff. Would the exercising of the spirits be an other count of two? Did they die? Were they alive to begin with? Uh, they were released. I don't think they were Yeah, they were just, whole, destroyed. They were just being held there. That was the real human death count. Fair. So, one sick puppy. What did you think about this episode, and why? Give me a give me a concrete stake rating. I don't. I don't really like this episode just because of the. I don't know. It's kind of cliched. I want to say that there's. It reminds me of something that I can't quite put my finger on, as far as the back and forth and the 
you know, the ghost interaction. I'm not saying it's that they ripped it off necessarily, but it makes me think of something else. Huh? It just, I don't know. It's if they, if there had been something else going on between the ghosts and the, the reenactments besides romance, I think I'd feel better about it, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of sappy and it seems like a wasted opportunity to me. Sure. So what would you give it out of five? Out of five, uh, I'd have to go with a three, I guess. That's, I don't know. I I don't feel quite right giving it a two because it, it's not just a miserable episode. But you know the the stuff in here I like are is you know Angie Hart and I like the the fact that uh, you know the janitor I like him and there are some cool lines in it and I really like the the reaction of the town to the snake problem and the <laughs> fact that we get the uh, the you know the background subterfuge and the you know the evil adults are working behind the scenes i kind of like that but uh the actual substance of this episode i'm not really crazy about so well that's a higher ranking than i thought you'd give it so i'm pleased yeah if (laughs) joyce had if joyce had been in the episode or if she had been involved in one of these reenactments you know that would have seriously affected it but because she she wasn't uh, shot by Giles. Hmm. Uh, that might be that might be good. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That would make for an interesting relationship dynamic between Buffy and Giles and just everybody and everybody. Be fucked up, clairvoyant. What do you have to say about this episode? Uh, while I do recognize the sap levels, uh, I did enjoy this episode. Uh, the things I particularly didn't like are, um, of course, them both eating the pig and the principal, the jungle beats. Uh, <laughs> I like the guy the... painting the face paint over his beard. Yeah, but I like the callbacks, like uh, to the the just the general hyena lore, like they whisper your name. Um, I think I'm having an acid flashback right now, <laughs> so I'm gonna mute my microphone. And you guys just keep talking. <laughs> But I, while I do recognize the sap of this episode, I do I do like it. Uh, I think it's uh, it's really cool how they handled the uh, the ghostly possessions. Uh, it's it's interesting just honestly seeing the different pairs of actors. Uh, you work their chops and do the same scene, uh, and it's it's fun to <laughs> compare and say who is better and who's worse. Who wore it better? Who wore it better? I thought Sarah and David killed it in this episode. Um, and I guess Christopher Gorham did yes. okay enough to jumpstart a career. <laughs> exactly. And um, I like how it's a standalone episode, but one that also feels like that it significantly advances the plot. At least emotionally. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a re- like a reflection episode, but Buffy realizes a lot about herself and her and Angel, and also Giles. I mean, <laughs> it feels really weird without this episode, with just the idea of almost Giles never really coming to terms with Jenny's death fully. Because the whole Giles arc is, you know, it's ridiculous that he assumes Jenny's related in the first place, 
but it's him, like, it's his brain saying, like, hey, I couldn't do something. Here's my chance to do something for her. And so I like Giles Card coming to some form of closure with Jenny. I like Angel and uh, Angel and Buffy. Uh, Spike standing is cool. <laughs> so a guy stands up out of his chair. It's awesome. But um, <laughs> and I also the foreshadowing yeah, is the best part about this episode to me. I think there is a lot of cool foreshadowing and a lot of just little, even just small hints as what what's to come. Uh, I also, uh, I like the, the mayor, the mayor reference, the name drop. Well, not really a name drop, title drop. So why would you give this out of five stakes? I'd say four. It's not the best, but it's a cool episode. I like it a lot. And it, uh, it serves its purpose in the season. And we're so far in the season that it doesn't feel out of place like certain upcoming episode. <laughs> now, personally, I love this episode. I, I remember when I first watched it, I really liked it. When I thought back to it, I thought, maybe I'm building it up too much in my mind. Maybe I really hated it, but I just remember it wrong. I watched it. I did like it quite a bit. I um, really enjoyed it. Christopher Gorham will not cease to being name-dropped. Why don't you just marry the guy? I think he's he's married. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's a Mormon. <laughs> but um, I, I always find the idea of reliving the past interesting, and I love when actors are challenged to play a different character that we're not used to them seeing or to seeing them as. That's only because you're young. When yeah. you get to be my age, reliving the past is hell. <laughs> <laughs> and Freaky Friday has been done before. But I thought it was really smartly written. It's got pretty decent SFX. First time I've actually complimented them, I think. And it did move forward the plot. It advanced it a bit in a few ways, not significantly, but... You know, we're so late in the season that it's almost kind of a filler episode padding the end of the show. But it's one of the better filler episodes. You know, there's so much worse iRobot Eugene episodes out there. Hey. <laughs> so I give it also a four to five stakes for me. You guys are I, mighty generous. <laughs> I think the important question is, have either of you ever been asked to a Sadie Hawkins dance? No. Oh. No, one sick puppy. Have you? Do you do Sadie Hawkins dances there? I, I almost want to say I did, but it seems really unlikely. I've been aware of one Sadie Hawkins dance, which I was not invited. But I do recall uh, Mr. Universe being invited, being asked, and <laughs> turning the poor girl down. Really? I think it'd be really funny if she's listening. And he's like, no, I don't think I've ever been asked. Uh, oops. <laughs> well, uh, okay. We'll have to, <laughs> we have to discuss this later. <laughs> wow. This is a moment of realization for me. Anyway, that's our episode. Thank you so much, One Sick Puppy, for joining us once again. Our MVP. Been on the show more than I have. Thank you for inviting me to yet another episode that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, we. I think we have to start switching off. Like, one good, one bad. One good, one bad. Just to reel you in and then cast you back out. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Dead as Hell over there and what you're doing, what new things you have coming up. Uh, as of late, I have been joined by uh, Stevie Mendoza, 
who is from Texas, and she was a combat photographer in the Army, and now she is running her own photography business out of Texas. And uh, she has really been helping me kind of change my review style. So uh, without getting to, into a, a big explanation, we're kind of uh, venturing out into new unexplored territory on Dead as Hell. It's very interesting. So uh, as I learn more about reviewing uh, after a year in the business, uh, there's uh, some new stuff coming out. So come on over, check us out, Dead as Hell dot com and uh tangiboundnetwork.com uh we're on twitter at dead as hell hp and the same for facebook and uh we just dropped a really scandalous episode scandalous. involving a serbian film and oh. martyrs oh no so it is some seriously hardcore content on that episode <laughs> i think clairvoy was just dry heaving in the background does yeah, that mean you've seen gonna... the movie or you've listened to my podcast i'm not sure um i i saw that you had posted that episode and i've seen the movies (laughs) and so as soon as i saw that i was like wow dead as hell is doing some hardcore i can't believe you subjected yourself to both those movies on one episode not only on one episode on the same day my brother oh my god (laughs) i watched those movies back to back (laughs) And survived. You say this episode left a sour taste in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So if you guys like... uh, Well, I can't even really say anything about a Serbian film because I'll probably be executed. That'll that'll totally change the rating of your entire podcast. If you like seeing... uh, Just go ahead and bleep all this out. (laughs) Go ahead and watch a Serbian film. Yeah, horrifying stuff. Why... I commend you and also feel the need to scold you a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Looks like we're rounded out four out of five stakes from the host. We got a three from the guest. Thank you again for uh, for popping by. We'll have to have you again soon. Yes, please do. Weedenverse podcast rating, four out of five stakes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at Whedoncast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, or review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. The Whedonverse Podcast is brought to you by the HHW LOD Network. You can find them at hhwlod.com, on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hhwlod. The Tangent Bound Network can be found at tangentboundnetwork.com, on Twitter at tangentboundpc, and on Facebook at tangentboundnetwork. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 20, Go Fish, written by Ellen Hampton and David Fury, directed by David Seymour. Original air date, May 5th, 1998. Part 2, we got Season 2, Episode 20, Go Fish.
And this episode is written by David Fury and his wife. It's their only collaboration. It's also the first episode of the show written by David Fury, but not the last. He was not a writer for the show yet. He just uh, freelanced and submitted a spec script. Yeah, this one's by David Fury and Ellen Hampton. In French, it's called The Fishmen. In Germany, it's called The Secret of the Fish Monsters. And in Brazil, where they speak Brazilian Portuguese, it's called Let's Go Fish. Which isn't that different from (laughs) the episode title. This is the last time where we get the in every generation. Don't say that. Ever. Don't say that. There will be more. This is the last time it's ever used in the show. We start off with a band called Naked playing a song called Men's Chinese at a beach party. Now, despite being California, there sure isn't a lot of beaches in Sunnydale. We haven't seen one yet. Not all of California is bordering a shore. That doesn't make sense. It, it all is. It's on all sides. It's an island. Each city in California is an island? <laughs> yes. But uh, Xander, Cordy, and Willow are all at the party. <laughs> it's officially nippy. So says my nips. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all there celebrating the swim team's latest victory. And Willow's all like one with the earth, saying it's a party with nature. Uh, Xander's a bit frustrated though about the swim team because they're barely a team you know they're they just swim but Cordy says you know hey but we're winning at something for once and that's why I like it it makes me like I've been cheering for nothing for so long blah 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 and Willow says well we do excel at a high mortality rate (laughs) Xander says we're number one (laughs) very flippant about it all we pan over to Buffy watching the waves and uh A dude comes up, and it feels super teen drama. It's like Degrassi for days. He's, he's like, I'm from, he's from the team. He's like, oh, sometimes we come out here and train in the waters. Yeah, he's super like, hey, my name's Kryler. Like, his name's Cameron, but. <laughs> and he's just super flirty. Buffy starts to shut him down, but he's like, hey, no, I, I just like hanging out with you, bro. I, I don't want this to go anywhere. We, I just want to get to know you. And uh, poor guys are trying to drown Jonathan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, Jonathan, the poor guy, is getting drowned by some some swim team jerks. Buffy saves him. And makes fun of a dude's shark tattoo. <laughs> this nice guy that's hitting on Buffy's like, you had to come into your bro. Yeah. And Buffy's like, hey, are you okay? He's like, why don't you mind your own business? And Jonathan storms off. Remember him? Yeah. Poor guy. Where is his redhead girlfriend? Why didn't she save him? I don't I think they were doing a study. They were being study buddies. I mean, it's a, a group assignment. But I just hate how all of these surfer dudes talk. Like, hey, Kraz. Kraz. Yes, yes, Zyler. Later, Wentworth Miller and Shark Tattoo are discussing why they don't like Buffy. Wentworth Miller. He's also in popular... Which also stars Christopher Gorham from the last episode we talked about. So Yeah, so Christopher Gorham, last episode. Wentworth Miller, this episode. I feel like this episode is... This episode of Whedonverse Podcast is like directly... We are kickstarting careers. Dedicated to Jackie Dominique. Uh, Wentworth Miller feels like he wears turtlenecks a lot in his real day-to-day life. 
Do you yeah. get that feeling? Prison Break. Do you think maybe Turtleneck, because he's on the swim team and Turtles, can swim? I don't know what you're getting at. All I know is that Leonard Miller, he's a good actor. He's a famous actor. He looks basically like a real-life... No one's going to get this reference with me. But he looks like a real-life The Will from Saga. But anyway, they're, uh... They're chilling. And, yeah. uh... They, they go to take a little night dip at the beach. Yeah, and Shark Tattoo, named Dodd, he hears a, hears a noise, smells the air a bit, and disappears. And suddenly there's this gross ripping noises, like, and growling and shit. And as... Dude, what is that foulness? And as Wentworth Miller walks away, we see just flesh torn up. And I feel like the only reason they introduced the shark tattoo earlier is just so you know that this guy was just eviscerated. Yeah. Pretty messed up. Yeah. It's... It's a human death count one, and we see his assailant, a fishman, escaping into a sewer standpipe. Now, fishmen and the like never work for me. They're not no. scary. It's just I'm um, not feeling creatures it. Creatures from the Black Lagoon? Uh, let's see. There's a bunch of kinds of stories that never work for me. One is cavemen stories. <laughs> one is fishmen stories. Just really, if you take the word man... You look around your room, you add something in front of it, and you try and write a whole script around it, I'm probably not going to enjoy it. So you have caves in your room? <laughs> Theme song. You sh- No, Clairvoyant, you know what? You're going to sing the theme song. No, I'm not. No. 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 Right there, I just edited in you singing the theme song mashed together from clips of other things you've said. That's going to be impressive. I'm excited to hear that. In class, Willow's making her students do pie charts because she's a rad teacher. I don't know. She accosts Mr. Wentworth Miller because his pie chart looks a lot like... His name is Gage. Yeah. Gage and Dodd. But his pie chart looks a lot like Solitaire with naked ladies on the cards. According to Willow, which they're clearly not naked. But I'd say that that's not as much a blooper as much as Willow's naivete. Yeah. And we get Snyder again. <laughs> but uh, Snyder shows up and he's like, oh, everything in order? And Willow's like, well, actually, he's like, great. <laughs> and he asks, which, God, Cordio would hate this. He asks if Willow could continue subbing through finals because they couldn't find a replacement. <laughs> through finals. This girl has to write finals too, let alone teach one. We couldn't find, we couldn't find a replacement. So we're going to let a student teach for the rest of the year. Man, teachers die every episode and they find replacements just fine. <laughs> but, you know, she's, he's like, I'm glad to hear that, Rosenberg. You're a team player. A team player would want everybody to pass. And starts hinting that, you know, poor Gage is doing poorly. And he, he wants to know why. Why Willow would fail him off the team like that. Where is her school spirit? Which is bullying, by the way. <laughs> Gage Patronzi. And he, he heavily implies to, you know, not change his grade, but just to recheck her figures and find something more fitting of a star athlete. It's something in a D. 
So really skeezy. I didn't like. I don't like that. Snyder wanted the D. I hate you. Uh, Cordelia in the hall. Willow's explaining the sitch to Cordy and Xander. Cordelia's officially one hundred percent forsaken her friends. Yeah. Still weird to me. Will always be. Xander's upset because he earns his D's. Xander's like, what about the all men are created equal thing? Propaganda spouted by the ugly and less deserving. I think that was Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, and just talks about how Lincoln, you know, weird mold, ugly hat. Stupid hat. Actually, <laughs> it was Jefferson. Kept slaves. <laughs> and so, but Xander's upset that Buffy's too busy fawning over uh, one of these swim team guys to care. Cameron. And yeah, Buffy in the car, she, th- she thinks it's nice to just listen Without yeah, romantic man. pressure. But she seems to not think it's nice. She says it's nice to listen. She seems to be pretty stressed out about it. Because he, he he won't shut up. And Are you talking about me or Cameron? Well, both. And <laughs> he cuts the chase. She says, you know, it's nice to not have romantic pressure. And, of course, he breaks out the romantic pressure. Are you wearing a bra? Yeah. God, what a creep. And so she tries to leave. He locks the doors. Relax. I'm not going to hurt you. It, it, she says, it's not me that I'm worried about. And boom, just beats his ass. She slams his face into the steering wheel right as Snyder walks up. God damn it. <laughs> Later, we got a nurse fixing his broken nose. This nurse, I didn't notice at first until she spoke. Conchata Farrell. Plays this nurse. She's she, from Teen Angel. More notably, she was from Two and a Half Men. She played their sassy maid. She, she played their sassy maid. Um, For like the entirety of the series. And her voice is probably the most recognizable thing about her. It's almost Roseanne-like in quality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's three big guest stars in two episodes. That's fantastic. But... Or at least three that I'm excited about. Snyder doesn't buy Buffy's story that she was the victim because he's super biased. And this frustrates me. Cameron says, you know, I'm just minding my business. She comes along, leads me on. Like, look at the way she dresses. Man, that's even a problem today. This is something that still happens. Why is it still happening? This was so many years ago. Just, oh... No. Yeah. How is that like? I that that's so. That thought just baffles me. It's like we're all in agreement that she's the victim. So why is she the one that's being punished? I don't. It just doesn't make sense to me. And it's frustrating because they tell Buffy like the coach comes in says like hey. How are you doing, my star? You know, just steam it off. Go to the sauna, and they're just kind of. He's like, "Hi, my name is Coach. My last name is the word Marine with one letter taken off." Oh, why would you? <laughs> why would you point that out to me? Because I don't like David Fury's writing. I don't mind his writing, but I don't like I, his. I like David Fury. Don't get me wrong. You'll, we'll have a lot of time to explore my love for David Fury over the course of the series. But I don't like his writing. But um, as the coach is leaving, tells Buffy, oh, and dress more appropriately. This isn't a dance club. 
She's dressed fine. <laughs> in the library later, Buffy's complaining to the game a mile a minute, which isn't really fair to them since she hasn't really seen them for a bit. And she's like, so, uh, anything new with you guys? And Giles, oh, thanks for taking interest. <laughs> and they found Dodd's remains. He was eviscerated. And the worst part is his name is Dodd McAlvey. And Xander says, well, this was no boating accident, which is a Jaws reference. And Will says, yeah, they ripped him open and ate, him, ate his insides, like an Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone kind of looks at her, she's like, except for the cookie goodness. <laughs> but uh, Tim makes a stupid joke like, "Who? what kind of demon eats humans whole except for the skin? And Xander, yeah, skin is the best part. And she's like, is there any demons with high cholesterol? <laughs> and everyone kind of glares and just like points at Giles. You'll think about that later, Mister, and you're gonna laugh. <laughs> Which I love the jokes in this episode. Good humor. Yeah, and then uh, we cut to the uh, the locker room, the steam room, the steamer, the sauna, the bro. <laughs> <laughs> and the door opens, and it's the coach. In my notes, I wrote coach as in the furniture, but uh, Cameron's in there steaming. Door opens, coach comes in, he's like, I think you had enough time to hit the shower. Xander goes to get a drink from the vending machine, bumps into his swim team lane-ass. He gets kind of passive-aggressive. Like in the nose, good luck for you. And... Like, I love when you guys mess with Buffy. <laughs> Stupidest, non-tough guy threat. You're lucky I'm hungry. <laughs> what? What does that have to do with And Xander says, oh, the cafeteria's closed. Not to me. <laughs> oh. Meanwhile, Xander can't decide between grape soda or orange soda. Which are both bad choices. But Cal Mitchell likes orange soda, so choose grape. So, yeah, we gotta discuss why grape is the superior choice here. Because Cal Mitchell likes orange soda. Tweet us. Everybody that's listening to this episode, even if you don't have Twitter, <laughs> Facebook message us, tweet us. I want to know if you prefer grape soda or if you prefer orange soda. Grape because the answer is very obviously grape. And yeah, I want to see... Vastly superior. Who's Who's wrong? But... He hears a scream, and he goes to the lunchroom before picking grape, which was the obvious choice. Tables upturned, just like last week, but minus the snakes. Instead, we got some snaky cam skin. Get it? The get? What do you see? What I did there? Human death count two. And he turns around and screams a fish demon right in his face. Commercial break. After the commercial break, Xander inexplicably survived and got away. Yeah, I didn't think about it. <laughs> in the library, trying to give a police sketch to Cordelia. But no explanation on how he got past it. Or why he didn't get Angel to draw the sketch. <laughs> but uh, he's a beggar, and the mouth is downward like this, and more teeth. And Cordelia is a pretty good artist, and I bet it's the same person that drew Angel's art. Poor uncredited intern. Yeah. And... <laughs> Cordelia says something along the lines of, admit it, you ran like a woman. <laughs> Which explains, I guess, how he got free. 
Buffy and Willow enter, and they they surmise the next villain, the next victim is likely to be Gage, because he's the third Gage. best swimmer. Because first they got Trunzi. they got Dodd, who's the best swimmer on the team. Then they got Dodd McAlvey. Oh, you just hate these names. Then we got Cam, who's second best. Cam Gage is the third best. Uh, Cordy has lost all drive to cheerlead. Because they're going to lose without these good swimmers. (laughs) They do a little brainstorming. You know, who could hate the swim team enough to summon this creature to kill them? Me. They surmised that it was probably Jonathan making those poor boys drown him. Willow, I'll crack him like an egg. (laughs) (laughs) But I do like that Jonathan has more to do this episode being a background character with random bits of lines thrown in here and there. He's actually got a presence here. Not just a throwaway joke. It's like in the werewolf episode when they gave Larry something more than just being there. But Jonathan's earned his keep long before Larry. So it's nice seeing him have something to do in an episode. Well, they're all making plans. Willow's going to go interrogate Jonathan. And Xander's like, well, what can I do? And Cordelia, you could go to the parking lot and practice running like a man. <laughs> he looks so defeated. Yeah, he, like, hugs himself, like, <laughs> all, like, like it's stung. <laughs> Meanwhile, Buffy is unsneakily watching Gage play Game Boy. Doing some recon. What game is he playing? I don't know. Keeping an eye on him so nothing goes wrong. Oh, her magazine changes every shot of her. That's not right. That's not cool. <laughs> Willow's interrogation of Jonathan is wonderful, though. She, you know, you've always heard the swim team. Yes. You know, they would. You auditioned, and they wouldn't let you on. He's like, well, I'm asthmatic, and I couldn't keep up. And I feel you, Johnny, because I'm asthmatic, and I can't swim. Yeah, but he can swim. Just, I can't keep up. While I'm flailing, drowning, they're going to be doing laps around me. It's just not fair. But Willow's playing the bad cop here. And you want revenge, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, okay, I did. And she's kind of, she's getting close to something, I think. And so you delved into the black arts. You conjured up a hell beast, didn't you? Like, what? No. Just peed in the pool. <laughs> Is it? Oh, phew. <laughs> I love that. I love that you think you're getting close to something. You think Jonathan was significant, and he just wasn't. Meanwhile, Snyder and Coach Marine Biology are talking. Snyder doesn't really give, give a shit about human death count, too. Uh, he's worried about losing. <laughs> I hate Snyder, man. He says, we'll find someone. All you need to do is wear a bathing suit, right? Which is wrong. At the Bronze Later, Nero's Rome's playing a song called If You'd Listen. And Buffy's still spying on Gage. He's just following him all damn day. <laughs> Nero's Rome is playing a song, If You'd Listen. <laughs> In the background, I swear I saw a bust of like an angel. I'm like, why is the bronze so classy? <laughs> Gargoyles. But Gage keeps noticing Gage! Buffy. He noticed Buffy earlier, and he notices her again. He walks over, confronts her. Cryerson! <laughs> like, this me and my shadow act, it's getting old, bro. And, bro. You know, what do you want from me? And Buffy lies. 
She's not a good liar, but she says she's a squim a squim groupie. A squim? She's a squim. Just the smell of, of chlorine on it, guys. Mm. Oh, baby. Gage doesn't buy it, so he walks away. But she comes clean. She's like, "You're, you know, you're in danger." And they've killed others. And he's like, "You're one twisted sister. You know that. Go find someone else to harass." Like, it's a bunch of jerks. The whole swim team is just a bunch of dicks. Yeah, and then he's <laughs> like, "What a psycho bitch, man." And Angel comes out and he's like, and the thing is, you got to be talking about Buffy. He's talking to himself, too. And Angel just knows that he's talking about Buffy. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I feel like these past couple episodes, they wrote him in just to build up for the finale, remind you that he's still a threat. I feel like Angel, like, in this particular episode, like, that you got to be talking about Buffy. It's like, do you ever have anything else on your mind? This is a random person that could be talking about literally anyone. <laughs> but uh, he says, you know, I had a thing with Buffy. Biggest mistake of my life. And they're talking about like, oh, she thinks she's so special. Who is she? The chosen one? <laughs> Someone should knock her off her pedestal. And Gage agrees. Angel says, good, because I'm recruiting. And he's vamp face. He bites him. Ah. Buffy runs out, sees this, because she's doing a shit job of tailing him. Yeah. And Angel just drops him and just spits out the blood. <laughs> so Buffy uh, kicks his ass a little. Goes to stake him with a hair thingy. It's like a thing. Hell me out, girls. Tweet to me. At Weedencast. <laughs> it's like those thick chopsticky things that girls put in yeah, their Yeah, it's hair. like a chopstick. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, when she takes it out, I love how he's... Why Miss Summers? You're beautiful. <laughs> I feel like that's a reference. I don't know to what, though. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, he runs off, spitting out some poison blood. Yeah, and Gage is like, is that the thing that killed Cam? <laughs> <laughs> you really hate these characters. And she said, no, that was something else. Unfortunately, we have a lot of something else's in this town. And greatest part, he says... Uh, walk me home, <laughs> which is a fantastic trope reversal. The big tough jock athlete asking this, you know, tiny blonde girl to walk him home. Uh, swim team practice later. The gang is watching. By the gang, I mean Cordelia and Willow and Buffy. The the girl gang's watching. <laughs> the swim groupies. And Gage stops mid swim and waves at them. Like, Buffy saved his life, so now there's something special there or something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And they're spooked, because Angel's supposed to love blood, supposedly. It's a thing that vampires enjoy. And there must have been something in his blood that Angel didn't like. Buffy suspects he's juicing. He's, a, he's on the cycle. Because it can't be supernatural. He's riding a bike. <laughs> it can't be supernatural. It's got to be roids. And... They're talking about how somehow the conversation comes to Xander. Cordelia calls him Chicken Little, but then hello, nurse. Get a sexy pan-up shot of a pretty ripped guy in a speedo, and we catch the face, and it's fucking Xander. Yeah. Damn. And he sees them looking, and he hides behind a little surfboard thing. <laughs> and 
Willow and Cordy are like, Xander? Like, what? When did he get abs? We mentioned last episode, he got pretty fine. He's been working out. I know in season one, they told him to stop working out so much because he was looking too good. Looks like they gave up or wrote it in. But damn, he is a nicer body than all the other swimmers on the swim team. It's bizarre. Willow's too excited about all this. <laughs> and Xander says, you know, he tried He tried out for the team. He's undercover. He made it. He's going to infiltrate them from the inside. Xander gets in trouble for flirting. Xander, I figure I can keep an eye on Gage and the other one, Buffy's can't. And Willow's like, when you're nude? <laughs> I mean, in the shower rooms when you're naked? <laughs> when you're changing? <laughs> and so Xander's gearing up to swim. He gets his swim cap on and... Cordy's so proud that she's dating a swimmer. <laughs> and, you know, wait, by the way, what did Jonathan say? Oh, he didn't do it. He just peed in the pool. I'm like, oh. And Xander dives in there. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> in the sauna, Xander's being weird. Talking about how it's nice to relax in here and just chat. You know, you could, can't read in here. Pages will get all wet. Just saying weird things. I don't know. Just trying to string up a conversation, I guess. Meanwhile, the creature's popping out from the vent below. Ooh. <laughs> Xander leaving. Buffy kind of accosts him after leaving the change room, and he's like, oh, Gage is right behind me. He's just tying his sneakers. Gage! And they're not Velcro, so it'll be a minute. <laughs> and, <laughs> but he also then tags her. Yeah, hey, you're it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. He's He's adorable. Do you think this actually continued? This game of tag? Yes. I would like to believe it did. But Gage in the locker room is putting on his shoes, which are not sneakers. Xander lied. And he starts smelling something weird, as people tend to do before shit gets real. Uh-huh. He just starts screaming. Buffy runs into the boys' locker room, the boys' one. You're bad. You're nasty. <laughs> Uh, the creature is there so Buffy pushes Gage aside Gage starts I don't know screaming seizuring and uh, just casually sort of peels open his chest yeah he just like yeah the creature's he's like help help and then he just kind of opens his shirt and then opens his chest (laughs) not bad practical effects actually there's the creature underneath. And that's a human death count of three. He's now a demon or whatever it is. A fish man. A merman. A mermaid. But since they didn't die, are we counting it? They're, they're human beings that have passed on, passed on and become something else. So is that a human death count three or a negative death count? I don't know. I wouldn't consider them dead. I'd say their humanity's dead. Yeah, that's getting deep. <laughs> hey, if someone turns into a vampire, we count it as a human death. I guess. So I'm going to count this human death count three, but they weren't killing them at all. That's kind of a cool twist. Not, you know, entirely unexpected, but the fishmen weren't killing the swim team. They are the swim team. Yeah. It feels like, honestly, you're... Like, every, like, run-of-the-mill throwaway episode is a twist, and it just feels like your throwaway episode twist. Yeah. Like, it, it's not that special or exciting. 
So they attack Buffy, scratch her a bit, and slither away like goddamn penguins. <laughs> yeah, they do. They slide on their stomachs <laughs> into a vent on the floor, like slip and slide. It's so dumb. And, yeah, it appears none of the team actually died. They're monsters. The coach is disappointed later because he thought, you know, this is all him. He's like, I was afraid to ask if the boys were taking anything. I thought I was just training them well. And in the background of the school's nurse's office where they're located, Buffy's getting treated for her arm scratch, by the way, there's vagina diagrams because high school nurse's offices. That is not safe for work. Don't watch this episode at work. But these boys were obviously drugged. They think they're looking at their their specs in the computer lab, which is now Willow's home. It's like library looks up in books, computer lab looks up on the computer, which is infinitely faster. They find it immediately, <laughs> but looks like the boys are taking it's, steroids, according to Will's research. Like if they need ancient ancient knowledge, they look in the books, and if they need something a little more recent, like recent history, so computer. And they think that Nurse Greenlee is in it somehow. She's treated all these dudes. She's got to know something. But and we still don't find out Cameron's last name. Walker. Is it? Yes. But uh, Buffy challenges Xander uh, to go do some recon, find out how they're taking the steroids, while her and Giles are getting the trank gun and going fishing. So Buffy and Giles later are hunting in the sewers. Little do they know they're being followed by the creature from the black. Ooh. In the sauna, Xander's trying to make small talk. Hey, Shane West is here. <laughs> That's four guest stars. <laughs> yeah, well, just Shane West. Uh, just like... sitting there. I sit to remember. <laughs> He's the singer from the Germs. Now, fun fact. I knew Shane West was in this episode... I mentally reconstructed his face incorrectly. Earlier, I thought he was playing Cameron in this episode. And every joke I made about Cameron Walker was Cameron a walk to remember -er. And a lot of walk to remember jokes, a lot of the germs jokes, a lot of just Shane West jokes about Cameron Walker. Until this scene came up and I saw Shane West like, no, that's Shane West. All these jokes are ruined. (laughs) Sean, please Sean, Sean West. Sam's just trying to weasel out the steroids, you know, how they're taking them. You know, I need something to juice me up. And they laugh, they're like, you're soaking in the steroids, bud. It's in the steam. Which explains Snyder's comment earlier that we just need a guy with a swimsuit, don't we? Which means Snyder's in on this too. <laughs> Uh-oh, because Xander's one of them now. He's in the sauna that's turning people into fish folk. Elsewhere, the nurse is yelling at the coach about it, so they're both in on it. The coach is in on it, too, and while they were right about Nurse Greenlee being in on it, she's opposed to it. You've already lost three. We can't keep doing this. And he's like, they're not lost. And he tosses her down into the sewer through his unregulation square hole in the ground. I like how she's like, this has got to stop. And he's like, what, are you a quitter? we got no room for quitters on this team. It's like, she's the nurse, so she's not on the team. <laughs> but he, uh, he tosses her down to the sewer, and he's like, oh, these are my boys. I take care of my boys. They get hungry. And, like, white lab coat, who boy? Got the vapors. No, but poor <laughs> nurse. Team's got to eat. <laughs> but <laughs> Nurse Greenlee, uh, floundering around a bit, then boom, 
pulled under. Human death count four. You think she'll turn into one of them? I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> like a vampire, like you suck their blood, they suck your blood. <laughs> it's a it's a whole sucking thing. In the library later, Xander's stressed out. He wants him to find an antidote. He needs to be better. And Bobby's like, I wouldn't break out the tartar sauce just yet. It's not like you were exposed more than once. And he just kind of gulps and twice, three times a fish guy. I like Xander fish sticks. Yeah, that might be good. But uh, Cordy's stressed. (laughs) She doesn't want to date the creature from the Blue Lagoon. And Xander's great line, Black Lagoon. Creature from the Blue Lagoon was Brooke Shields. <laughs> Which he just explained the reference for you. You don't need me to tell you. <laughs> he's wigging. He's stressed right out. And he wants them to lock up the dudes, the team. Before they get in touch with their inner halibut. So many fish jokes. Like, stop it. <laughs> fish jokes aren't funny. <laughs> but Willow goes. To, uh, to Bad Cop Greenlee, while Buffy wants to talk to the coach, Coach Marin. The coach says, you know, you don't have any proof that it was me before telling her all about his evil plot. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Out of the fall of like, the Soviet Union, there's... They were combining fish DNA with swimmers. To... For the Olympics. <laughs> it was just a bad, bad plot. Bad. <laughs> Badly and written in. She's like, why? Why? And he's like, so we'll win. <laughs> so this episode is... High school swim team. Apparently he's perfected this old Soviet formula. Or gotten close. This episode is clearly about not abusing steroids. It's confirmed by Marty Noxon, the producer of this episode. That it's about, you know, the dangers of abusing steroids. But... It's dumb. It's just... Could have been done differently. He pulls a gun on Buffy out of nowhere. Don't walk away from me, bitch. Uh, makes her get into the non-regulation sewer hole. Yeah. Just like, he keeps shouting, in. And she's like, you're going to pay for this, in. And just keeps shouting, in. Like, repeating himself like an idiot. And he's like, you think I don't care about my boys? But I do. And I was like, bad. You're just regurgitating the same lines that you told Greenlee. It feels like he's repeating lines more than Ted. Like... And Ted was a robot. And speaking of Greenlee, her body floats past. And this, he says, the boys have had their dinner, but boys have other needs. Not cool. Rape joke. They're monsters. Wait, are they going to fertilize her eggs? They're fish. Not cool at all. Not necessary. Just say they're going to eat her. Like, what are you trying to convey? Scare people of rape? People are pretty scared of rape already. <laughs> not necessary. <laughs> but at the pool... This Xander's... episode is not necessary. <laughs> We're three episodes from the end, Clairvoy. Next, we got a two-parter. And we got Go Fish to uh, to lead us in. <laughs> Did you just grumble? <laughs> but uh, at the pool, Xander's freaking... He's like, I gotta go check a mirror. I think I'm growing gills. And Catholic schoolgirl Cordy wanders off to the bleachers. She's dressed like the most conservatively you could dress. And her hair's up. Suddenly a fishman runs out of the bathroom and dives into the pool. A human death count. This is a human death count five. 
Cordy starts talking to Xander the Fishman. She starts opening up saying, I still care about you, like, no matter what. And we can still date. We can work through this. And you do look hot in Speedos and just stupidly emotional. And they're trying to make it deep by making the music swell. And it's obviously a setup for a joke. Because <laughs> yeah. Xander walks up and, uh, that's not me. <laughs> and they both look at the creature and scream. <laughs> and it attacks. Meanwhile... Giles ushers in the swim team into his library cage. Everyone's accounted for except for Sean. Sean. Shane West, who is also a fish, as we just saw. Uh, He was caught skinless dipping in the pool. (laughs) Meanwhile, Buffy, bad joke. She says, great. This is what my rep needs, that I did it with the entire swim team. No, you don't continue the rape joke. It was bad enough to make it initially. Yeah. And don't make light of it. Just, oh. I feel this episode does a very poor job of handling things with any tact. It's very... <laughs> like, they're like, oh, somebody died. Yeah, cool. Like, nobody cares, even more so than other episodes. Normally people are like, oh my god, they died? But this episode, they're like, oh, they're dead. No, I just don't like... They just dropped it all for what they thought was a good story, and it's not a good story. Uh, Elsewhere, Xander confronts the coach, once again spelt like C-O-U-C-H in my notes. And he's like, they have a little chat, like, oh, I'm feeling better. Yeah, hey, how are you? (laughs) Where's Buffy? And coach glances at the gun. Down below, speaking of where she is, she's struggling with the... uh, the Fishman. Because why not? Yay, Fishman. That's a good episode, right? Yeah. And, and we're kind of getting a back and forth here. Buffy's struggling down below. Xander and the coach struggling over the gun. Good pacing, I suppose. I'll give it that. But uh, as Buffy starts to get cornered, Xander punches out the coach. And she dives up and Xander lifts her up with one hand because of all those steroids he's been taking. And... As he pulls her up, they keep grabbing her feet, but he still pulls her up because of steroids. <laughs> so Coach Roid Rage wakes up. He he knocks them apart, and then whoops, whoopsie daisy, trips, falls right in the pit. And Buffy grabs him to catch him, and accidentally drops him <laughs> right in the pit. I now feel bad for him. That was his own damn fault idiot and he's in there like floundering around and Buffy's like grab my hand and he's like oh they're just my boys I feel like Buffy would like have his hand and then he's like pull me up and she'll be like long live the king and let him back go let him go back down <laughs> but uh no he's like you're my they're just my boys like he's really naive like uh, the boys boys now boys <laughs> and uh Oops, the boys aren't feeling it. They're not feeling their coach. Or they are feeling their coach. And they, they eat him up. Human death that, counts. Is that what they do? They already ate. Oh, my God. Buffy says those boys really love their coach. Oh, my God. I didn't notice that. That's a human death count six, I assume. Lots of human deaths this episode. And those boys really love their coach. And they're watching very calmly. And Xander's, like, kind of smirking. This is what I'm talking about. No tact. This episode, I wow, I didn't catch that, and I'm so mad right now. 
Cordelia says that Xander doesn't need to prove himself to her later. You know, he could play football if he wants next year. He doesn't have to join the swim team. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Giles says, oh, I talked to Animal Control. The fishmen have made a mad dash. And Buffy says, don't worry. I don't think we'll see them anymore. I'm like, where would they go? She's, home. And I just started crying angrily. Just, no, 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 no. The ocean. It's f***ing free willy. The fishmen are happily writhing in the ocean. Bad, really bad writing. Awful way to try and tie up the loose ends and like make fishmen not a recurring plot thread. This is all around garbage. Oh my god. Episode ends. Uh, I was furious. David furious. You <laughs> mean David furious on this episode? I was well, three quarters of the way through the episode. I was like, you know, it's not as bad as I remember, unless the ending f-ks it up. The ending f***ed it up. I think that might be the most human deaths yet in one episode. We got six. No other deaths. No vampires or demons because other things dying. We got six human deaths. Were they really humans? (laughs) Swim team. Exactly. But, uh, Clairvoyant, what do you think about this episode? Uh, I I don't know. Did you like it? (laughs) I thought this episode was a really silly premise that just kept getting worse. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they were right about steroids makes me a little bit mad because it's the Hellmouth. And it didn't quite feel like season one, but it didn't quite feel like season... It was a clearly way less than what we've been seeing in season two so far. So I'd say it's a season 1.5 episode at heart. <laughs> I just can't. I, it's sloppy writing... A good thing that David and his wife never never wrote again <laughs> together because this was really poor. And right at the end of the season, right before the big finale, you're trying to draw in more viewers. Such a throwaway episode that did not advance the plot at all. Angel's only there to kind of confirm your suspicions that it's steroids. And the fact that they threw in the sometimes we swim in the ocean a few times a week at the start just to make them go home to the ocean at the end makes me endlessly mad. <laughs> when I asked you if you liked it, I was hoping your answer would be go fish, but you missed your opportunity. <sighs> Perfect setup for a joke, and you f***ed it up. <laughs> I gave this episode 1.5 stakes out of 5. I'm very displeased. <laughs> Clairvoyant, how about you? The season has been doing so well. It's been doing so well. And then this sh- comes out of nowhere. Alexander Nespito, okay, I'll give you that. But what the f is this? This is this is garbage. Just a bad episode. It has no climax. It's not scary. It's not it, it has some decent one liners, but it's mostly fish puns. Like it's just it's not good. I mentioned I hate David Fury's writing. I hate his writing. It's just... What, what was the point of any of this? Like, if, if you needed a filler episode at the end of the season, at least do a good one. This very much feels like a season one episode. If there wasn't Angelus in it, I would have easily placed this in season one without even a second thought. It's just... It's not... Not good. 
And I'd give it a one out of five. One out of five stakes. So we're ending one episode before the big two-part finale at a 1.25 out of five stakes. Garbage. Weedenverse podcast rating. 1.25 out of five stakes. Join us next episode where we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 21, Becoming Part 1, and Episode 22, Becoming Part 2, with special guest host Annalise from Dark Angels Pretty Freaks. wait until next week in the meantime check out podvomit at podvomit.com or tangentboundnetwork.com all programs productions characters music and stories discussed in this non-profit podcast belong to joss whedon and or their respective networks all music clips and discussion used is either original royalty free or released under creative commons designation cc by ncsa For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Thanks for listening.